Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and my heart on this podcast is to give you what I call blue jeans theology. That is theology that's rooted in everyday life so you can follow Jesus in everyday life so that all of us together can become more and more like Jesus and live for Jesus in the places we live every single day. And it's hard to believe, but we're already four weeks into the new year, four weeks into 2021, and here's what we know. We know that God is still faithful. God has always been faithful. We don't know what the rest of 2021 is going to hold. Just like at this point in time, a year ago in 2020, in January, maybe we were hearing rumors by this point of this new thing called the coronavirus. There's already reports of it spreading on the news a little bit. But we had no idea what 2020 was going to hold. But we knew that God was faithful. And the same is true uh, right now, today, here in the fourth week of 2021. God is still faithful and God is on his throne. And in fact, the lesson we're going to look at on faith from the book of Habakkuk today relates directly to that. Oh, I can't wait to share some of the things, some of the scriptures and the passages out of Habakkuk chapter 3 today. But before we get to that, just another reminder, um, if you are a pastor, a minister, a church leader of some sort, here in just a few short days on January 28th, coming up real soon, I have got a free online workshop that I'm really excited about on five necessary shifts for becoming a disciple-making church. Five necessary key shifts that'll help us as church leaders shift our churches to really becoming greenhouses for growing mature disciples. And this, this material is stuff I've been passionate about for well over 30 years in ministry, but it's kind of come to maturity in the last handful of years. The last church I was pastoring at, we were doing a great job at reaching people far from God. Uh, we were leading people to faith in Jesus. We were baptizing 100, 120 people a year, and we had no clear plan, no real system for helping new believers become growing believers and then on to mature believers in Christ. We, we had no intentional process for that. And as a result, we had people who had been Christians for a number of years and yet who were still fairly young in their faith or even new in their faith. And the reason for that wasn't because they didn't want to grow. It's because we didn't have a plan for helping them grow, and we didn't have a culture that fostered that and encouraged that and helped people really grow in their faith and on to maturity in Christ. And that's the heart behind this workshop. And so if you're a pastor or a church leader, I would encourage you to swing over to discipleshipworkshop.net, discipleshipworkshop.net, and sign up for this free workshop. It's coming up on January 20. I'll put a link down in the notes below to that as well. So you can just click that and you can sign up right there, get more info there as well. Super excited about that. This is going to be an online workshop. It'll be done through Zoom and there'll be opportunity for question and answer and interaction as well. And so uh, if that sounds like it would be helpful to you and helpful to your ministry and your church this year, then swing over to discipleshipworkshop.net. All right. Let's jump back into the book of Habakkuk and the lessons on faith that we are learning from Habakkuk. All right, the book of Habakkuk invites us into a journey of faith. We get to watch as Habakkuk wrestles with God and 
expresses his faith in prayer towards God. And in that sense, this is such a beautiful and helpful book for us as we wrestle with our own faith and we try to pursue God with the same sort of honesty and integrity that Habakkuk does. Uh, If you have listened to the other episodes in this series, Habakkuk has laid out his complaint before God about the injustice in Israel and how Israel isn't living up to the teaching of God's very own law. They ought to know better, but Habakkuk's own people, uh, the people of God, aren't living up to that. And Habakkuk has laid out his complaint. God, you're not doing anything about this. And he's been frank with God about that. Well, God has replied back to Habakkuk, and he's been frank back with Habakkuk. Um, And that led Habakkuk then to complain again to God, And God then replying back to Habakkuk. So we've seen this interaction between God and Habakkuk. And what God has essentially said to Habakkuk is, look, things are going to get worse before they get better. I'm sending in the Babylonians and they are going to, um, they're going to be my instrument of punishing you for your injustice. Habakkuk complains, but the Habakkuk but the Babylonians are worse than we are and than my own people are. And God said, you got to trust me, Habakkuk. I know what I'm doing. So how will Habakkuk respond? And chapter 3 is Habakkuk's response. And it is a beautiful psalm of trust. We think of the psalms only showing up in the book of Psalms. But here in Habakkuk 3, we have a psalm. And it is a beautiful psalm of trust. And it teaches us a vital lesson about faith and about walking with God in faith. Habakkuk begins his psalm of trust this way. He says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I've heard of your greatness, your great deeds. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. And then Habakkuk says, repeat them in our day. In our time, make those deeds known. In wrath, remember mercy. And so Habakkuk's response to God saying, Habakkuk, you have to trust me is, God, I've heard of your glory. I've heard of your greatness. I've heard of your mighty deeds, O Lord. Would you repeat them in our day? In our time, would you make your very mighty deeds known? And in wrath, remember mercy. I love that last line because God, Habakkuk, really began his this this whole little interchange with God by saying, God, you're not doing anything about the injustice among your own people. He's essentially asking God to bring punishment, to bring wrath, to make things right, to sort things out, right? Um, God tells him how he's going to do it. Habakkuk doesn't really like what God's plans are. And so here he's saying, okay, God, I've heard of your great deeds. In your wrath, in your punishing us for our sins, remember mercy. Remember your compassion. Remember to take pity on us. And so he's asking God for that. And then what Habakkuk does through much of the rest of chapter 3 in this psalm of trust is Habakkuk recalls and rehearses the great deeds of God in the past. He recounts God's deliverance of his people in the past. He celebrates God's mighty deeds and God's victories throughout Israel's history and the Exodus and various ways God has showed up in their history where God has demonstrated his power. God has acted in great deeds. In other words, he's remembering some of those 
uh, mighty deeds that he just mentioned in verse 1. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your mighty deeds. Repeat them in our day. And Habakkuk then begins to to recount and rehearse some of those very mighty deeds, celebrating what God has done. And as Habakkuk does this in, in his psalm and his prayers, it brings really a sense of awe and a sense of humility to Habakkuk. In fact, in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16, Habakkuk says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. In other words, what he's saying is, as I thought about these and I heard about your mighty deeds and I rehearsed and, and I set my mind on all your great deeds. Oh, I, I mean, it's like I, I got these this really physical effects in my body. My heart is pounding. My lips quivered. My legs trembled. Habakkuk is just talking about really the sense of awe and overwhelm at how awesome and how great and how incredible God is. And this teaches us a really important lesson about faith. And it's this. Faith in the present is strengthened by rehearsing God's deeds in the past. Faith in the present is strengthened by rehearsing God's deeds in the past. And as we set our mind on all the great things God has done for his people in the past, it helps bolster our confidence and our faith in God's power, God's greatness, God's care for his people here in the present. And so, we can be like Habakkuk and we can rehearse and recount God's mighty deeds and it'll strengthen our faith in God in the present. And so here's just a couple of ways we could practice that. One suggestion is simply this, sort of what Habakkuk did. Rehearse God's mighty acts in scripture. Rehearse God's mighty acts that have been recorded in the very word of God. Now, this is essentially what Habakkuk does. He is re recalling Israel's history. He's recalling what God has done in delivering uh, Israel from Egypt during the Exodus or other great ways God has showed up as recorded in their story, in re as recorded in Scripture. And we need to do the same sort of thing. Scripture records God's dealings with his people in the past, and his people are now our people because we have been brought into the story of God through his people, through the people of Abraham. And so being brought into that story, their story is our story. And so as we, as we recall and recount and set our gaze upon, set our mind upon God's mighty acts in Scripture, these stories form our identities. And that's how they're meant to function. We are meant to read the stories of what God did for uh, Abraham, for uh, Israel, for David. We're meant to read those stories as formative stories to help us understand who God is and what God cares about and how God works among his people. And they're to shape our identities and to bolster our faith. And so that's one practice that will help us really have a stronger faith. Faith in the present is strengthened by rehearsing God's deeds in the past. And one way we can do that is by rehearsing uh, God's mighty acts as recorded in Scripture. So that's one practice. Another practice that uh, is helpful is to rehearse God's deeds in the past of your life. 
rehearse ways God has showed up and cared for you in your own personal history. One of the ways my family has practiced this for almost 30 years is we have now a couple plaques that hang on the wall in our family room. And on those plaques, we just have not all the little ways, but a handful of the big ways God has showed up in our family history. This grew out of um, an experience I had while reading through the Old Testament, particularly reading through uh, some of the stories of the Exodus and the stories uh, in in Genesis uh, through Deuteronomy, where oftentimes God's people set up marker stones. They set up memorial stones as a way to commemorate major things God had done where God acted on their behalf. And so I got to meditating on that and reflecting on that, and it hit me that one of the ways we celebrate big events in our life, like big victories in our life, is with trophies and plaques. And so I decided, let's get a plaque and let's engrave on that plaque big moments when God shows up in our life. And so my wife and I, way back in the early 90s, we had only been married a few years, we, we bought uh, a plaque. On the header of the plaque, it says, celebrate God's goodness. And then there's 10 little small little places where we could engrave things over the however many years as God has showed up. And there's things on that plaque. And as we go back and recount those stories, it's it's a faith booster. Uh, a number of those are ways God has showed up to provide for us. Being in ministry doesn't isn't like a lucrative you know vocation. You, you don't often get rich. And we started uh, this this uh, practice with these plaques when we were in graduate school. And so we were going to graduate school. We were living in a little tiny apartment. We were just busting our chops to make ends meet and, and going to school. We were super busy. Um, there were several things that happened uh, during that time, like uh, the government decided to make free tuition um, taxable income, and they decided to make it ret- retroactive. Well, my wife was working at the college where I was doing my graduate work, and uh, they did this in August, and so we had to pay back taxes on the first eight months of the year of the free tuition that I got because she was working there, and at the same time, pay taxes for the rest of the year. Our income was cut by like 40 or 50% for the last four months of the year, and yet we ended the year um, not only having made ends meet, we actually ended the year with money and savings. In some way, God had showed up and provided for us that year. That's commemorated on the plaque right? Um, Other moments like that are commemorated on the plaque where we were, as a professor at a small Bible college, we were having students over all the time for dinner and various things. And after a few years of that, our furniture was trashed. Like packing 30 students into a small little family room for several years, springs were falling out of the bottom of our couches. We needed new furniture. We had small children at the time. We didn't have a whole lot of money. We had looked um, at used furniture, and it was even the used furniture was beyond our pay grade. And uh, so we prayed, Lord, uh, we really need some new furniture. We need a couch, a couple couches, um, and we don't have a whole lot of money to spend. Really, God, all we have is about $50, <laughs> which isn't a whole lot of money. Literally, the next day, we prayed that on a Saturday night. The next day, I get this phone call from my mom hey, do you guys need some couches um, and some other furniture? Because I'm getting transferred on my job to Tennessee, and we've got to get rid of some stuff before we move. And I'm wondering if you want our couches. And literally, 
she just gave them to us. My bro- she gave my brother some furniture as well. All we had to do was drive up there with a pickup truck and trailer, load it up, and drive back. My brother and I split the gas. The cost of the whole trip was about $50 to get these couches. Plus, we got some patio furniture and a couple other little things. Like, God showed up in massive ways. And as we have recorded those on these plaques, we can recount those uh, moments when God showed up in our, our, our family's history and it boosts our faith. Our faith in the present is strengthened by what God did for us in the past. And so that is a, a huge lesson I think we learned from Habakkuk. He recounts and recalls God's great deeds in the people of Israel's history, and it bolsters his faith in the present. He says that my heart pounded, my lips quivered, my knees trembled as I thought about, God, you did this for us. And so um, Habakkuk's faith rests on God's power, on God's competency, and it doesn't rest on God's actions making sense to him, right? And that, that's so instructive to us. We don't always have to understand what God is up to, to know that God has taken care of his people in the past. He will take care of his people today. And so we yield to him. We surrender to him. We trust that he knows what he's doing. And we trust that he's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd and he will take care of us and he will take care of his people. As Timothy Keller says in his book on prayer, he says, we must combine tenacious importunity, tenacious like asking and wrestling, right? Like this dogged, God, I'm just going to be frank with you and I'll let you know what I think. Tenacious importunity, a striving with God, Keller says, we must combine that with a deep acceptance of God's wise will, whatever it is. Man, I love that. We've got to combine the striving with God with a deep acceptance of God's wise will, whatever it is. And that's what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk has wrestled with God. He has shown a tenacious importunity. Um, And then here we come in chapter 3. And what Habakkuk does is, all right, God, you said I have to trust you, and I do trust you. As I think about your great deeds in the past and the ways you've acted— I trust you. I know you are powerful. I know you are wise. I know you are strong. And so, God, I trust you. And then Habakkuk ends his psalm with some incredible words of surrender and trust. Listen to these words. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. These are words that are worth memorizing if ever there were some. Habakkuk says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He enables my feet to be like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And that's how the the little book of Habakkuk ends with this yielding, with this surrender, with this this pledge of trust. These words are powerful because what he's saying is, if if our whole 
you know, economic system fails. Our crops, there's no, the fig tree doesn't blossom, right? There's no grapes on the vines. The olive crop fails. The fields, the wheat and barley produce no foods. Like our entire economic system is dependent on the summer crops and the winter crops. And if all of that fails and we have no food, um, if the sheep in the stalls are gone, right? The sheep have been taken off captive or killed or because the stalls have been broken, they've run off, who knows? There's no cattle in the stall, so we have no livestock. We've got no crops, he says. Even if that's the case, even if everything goes wrong, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Why? Because the sovereign Lord is my strength. The sovereign Lord is my strength. This is Habakkuk coming to the end of his wrestling with God and saying, God, I will rejoice in you whatever happens. I trust you so fully that I will celebrate you. I will depend on you. I will be joyful in you, not in my circumstances, not in what's going on. I will be joyful in you. And that's where the little book of Habakkuk ends. And that is such a powerful example to us. Habakkuk didn't understand what God was up to, doesn't like what God is up to, and yet he knows that God is sovereign, God is in charge, and God is wise, and God is good, so he trusts him, and he rejoices in him. May we learn to do the same as we follow the example of Habakkuk, as he, he shows us what it looks like to trust God. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I am so glad you're part of the Bible and Life family. Hey, would you do me a favor? If you have benefited from this podcast, would you share it with your friends? Would you share it on social media? Would you let more people know so that more people could be built up through uh, the Bible and Life ministry? Thanks to each and every one of you who supports this ministry, support this show through your prayers, through your financial contributions. Um, your generosity means the world to me and makes this possible and is, and is impacting people all around the world through the podcast, through the listeners' commentary, through some of my online courses and other online resources. So your generosity is a blessing to people that we may never meet until we're together on the new earth. So thank you for believing in this ministry and supporting it the way you do. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week in Christ. I look forward to talking to you again soon.